Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. It's so good to be with you all tonight. I feel a little bit awkward with this on my uh, face right here, but it'll be okay. <laughs> it was really windy outside today. Did everybody notice how windy it was? Yeah. Yes. I was in the parking lot at Dollar Tree with my son, and I had a ball cap on, and it blew across the parking lot. And someone went, thankfully, and got it for me, but I was disappointed in the weather today until the Lord reminded me how prophetic it is. And I think Paige shared on the um, Facebook Live, I really believe that the Lord um, is breathing over the church. And a lot of times, like Paige said, the, the breath of God is His Holy Spirit breathing over us. And so I've been seeing that um, in the spirit that he's breathing over his church. And as we receive him, as we inhale the presence of God, we're exhaling him onto the earth. And um, so I thought that that was neat today, that it was so windy after I was grouchy about it for a little while. <laughs> I'm sure some of you were grouchy. Um, tonight, let me get situated here. I have some bread on my nose. <laughs> Um, tonight, I want to talk to you about something that I feel like is really um, not something that I came up with. <laughs> it's from the Lord. But I really believe that this is um, timely to the season when I've been hearing in the spirit about how the church is the bride of Christ. And it wasn't until probably last year that I realized that I didn't know that and I got saved when I was like eight years old um, and I never knew that truth and so since then I've just felt the stirring um, in my heart that I just I want to share it with everybody and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight so most of you I feel like have been to a wedding before whether that was your own wedding or a friend's wedding I'm going to assume that most of you have been to a wedding before. Um, and if you'll kind of think back to that moment um, and imagine a wedding in your mind. You know, you have the groom at one end and his face is full of excitement. Let's hope most of them <laughs> should be. Um, and then you see the guests all dressed in their Sunday best. And then you see the doors open and there stands the bride in her veil, in her dress. Um, and as she begins to walk down the aisle, all eyes are on her as she makes her entrance. But if you look back to the other end of the sanctuary, you see the groom. And his eyes are full of adoration as he locks eyes with his beloved as she's coming down the aisle. And for a bride in that moment, like Jesse was talking about, unless your music <laughs> quits playing for a second, it seems like time stands still in that moment as the bride and the groom lock eyes with one another. And um, 
And yeah, so they lock eyes, and um, you can see that it took a lot to get to that place, a lot of preparation um, to get to that moment. The ceremony is always beautifully decorated, and the bride is ready. And so I'm just wondering if anybody has ever thought about, or maybe you're not a weirdo, like <laughs> if anyone's ever thought about what it would be like if you didn't get ready for your wedding. What if you overslept and didn't show up at all? Or what if you got to the wedding and the doors opened and everyone gasped because you forgot to put your dress on? <laughs> that would be wild, right? And, and so I'm uh, just wondering if anyone has ever told you that you have been extended an invitation, a proposal, if you will, to become the bride of Christ. In ancient Hebrew wedding tradition, the father of the bridegroom, um, the father of the, he chose the bride for his son. Um, and once the bride was chosen, the son would take three things with him to the father of the bride. The bride price, the marriage covenant, and a wineskin. So those three things, the bride price, the marriage covenant, and a wineskin. The bride price that was brought was a collection of riches the father of the son began collecting and saving from the time his son was born and that was taken by the son to the um, father of the bride and it was like he was saying this is what I'm willing to pay uh, for the bride when Jesus was crucified on the cross he paid the bride price for his bride the church I just want to like pause for a second. <laughs> Could you imagine that um, that someone loved you enough to pay the bride price for your life? Um, not only did they save up some money, you know, <laughs> to pay for you and to ransom his bride, but he gave everything he had. He gave his whole life for his bride, and that was what he was willing to pay was his very own life to have you as his very own. I mean, how endearing is that? <laughs> um, that someone loved you that much, that they knew everything in your whole life that you would ever do, everything that you would ever be, and they chose you, um, and they gave their life for you. And so that just blows my mind. <laughs> um, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us that God the Father was so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. Once Christ had been crucified on the cross, think, I know that most of you have read this, but think back to that, those scriptures that talk about when Christ was crucified, and it says that his side was pierced on the cross. In that moment, his bride was fashioned from his side, just like Adam's bride Eve was fashioned from his side. And in that moment, two now become one body. Christ gave up his spirit on the cross, and this was God's guarantee that he would give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his very own people. And then there was the marriage contract or the marriage covenant. This was an essential part of a soon-to-be marriage. 
it not only included the written guidelines for the marriage, but it also included the rights of the bride and the husband's promises to her. When the covenant had been signed, it established the engagement period uh, from that point forward. The New Testament in the Bible um, and all the promises really through the Bible are uh, like our marriage covenant with Jesus. When the bride price was paid and the covenant was signed, the father, the bridegroom, and the bride all drank the wine. Remember that they had the bride price, the covenant, and then the wine skin that he brought. And so all three of them drank the wine, also known as the cup of acceptance. And this was a symbol that the bride was committing herself to the bridegroom. Does that sound familiar to you, the wine um, and the cup of acceptance? Have you ever read about Jesus uh, being crucified on the cross? And when his side was pierced, the blood and the water flowed forth from his side. So when we accept Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation that he extends to everybody, we drink the cup of acceptance and we commit ourselves in covenant to our bridegroom. The bridegroom would then return to his father's house uh, when all of this was completed, and um, this was a waiting period now between the engagement and then the wedding ceremony, a time of preparation. Only the father of the bridegroom knew the day and the hour that they would return for the bride. Only the father knew. Um, and at that time, a chaperone would be assigned to them as a way of communication between the um, bridegroom and the bride so that they could communicate between their engagement and the actual wedding ceremony. We as the church are in a preparation period, the time between the engagement and the ceremony to consummate the marriage of, with our beloved. So we've been given the Holy Spirit as our chaperone, our messenger between the Father's house and our earthly homes to communicate with our beloved until he returns for us. And it says in the word that even he doesn't know the day or the hour that he was returning, only his Father does. So uh, we know in the book of John that Jesus didn't abandon his bride. He didn't just say, I'm leaving you, girl. Sorry about you. <laughs> it says, do not, this is what he tells the disciples in the book of John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. He says there's a more than enough room. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. In the book of Revelation, uh, we get a glimpse of our future wedding, and it says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the marriage of the Lamb, and his bride has made herself ready. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. 
And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage of the Lamb. These are the true words that come from God. And then at the end of the chapter, at the end of the Bible, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And a few lines down from that, it says, He who is faithful, a faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. So what does that mean for us? You uh, may say, okay, that's cool, or I'm a little weirded out by that. I'm not for sure I like that. <laughs> um, but what does that actually mean for the church? What does that mean for us? And I think that it means that there's a wedding coming, for one. And when Christ returns, he's returning for his bride, who has made herself ready for the marriage of the Lamb. If that was 2,000 years ago then, I'm thinking, hey, it sounds like it's sooner now than it was then when he said he was coming. <laughs> Um, and I have my notes here so I don't get lost. I'm pregnant, so my brain has a hard time keeping up sometimes. Um, but what does it look like? I started thinking, what does it look like to prepare for this wedding, and how do we even do that? What does that mean? And I think it's important to note that there's a difference in being a bride and being a bride who's preparing for a wedding. They're two different things. And in Matthew 25, Paige actually talked about this at the beginning of the service. She didn't know this was going to be shared. Um, but we find a parable about ten virgin bridesmaids waiting for the bridegroom. I did not write this down. So you guys, I don't know if you have your Bibles with you, but you may turn to Matthew 25. Actually, I probably should too. <laughs> I was going to give you the Madison version of it, but that probably is not as good. <laughs> Let's see here. Okay, in Matthew 25. Is everyone there? Yeah, most of you are. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, that sounds familiar, right? <laughs> They're like, hey, where are you at? They all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. <laughs> um... But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I do not know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Only the Father does. And so... In that, I just want to point out that they were all bridesmaids. They were all brides, and they all um, heard the knock at the door, but only five of them had prepared with the oil. Only five were prepared. And um, 
And so, like I said, they were all waiting for him. I think that being a bride and being a bride that is ready are two different things. Because you can show up to your wedding, but if you're not ready and you're not dressed, you're going to turn around and run off. And so (laughs) they're two different things. Uh, There's a call to action on the part of the believer. There's a submitting of yourself to receive the oil for your lamp. Oil in this scripture, as Paige said, represents the Holy Spirit and his anointing. And when you say yes to Jesus Christ, that's the first step to becoming the bride of Christ. That's you saying yes to becoming the bride. But that is just the beginning. There are people all over the world who have said yes to um, receiving salvation, but they're spiritually dead. They have not allowed the Holy Spirit to awaken them. In this season, there's a stirring in the body of Christ, a drawing for the bride to prepare herself, to consecrate herself to Jesus. But it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit alone that the church can prepare herself. There's, this is a behavior modification program. Christianity is not, well, let's see how I can be better. Let's see how I can perform to squeak into heaven. It's not that at all. It is heart transformation. And the only way your heart can be transformed is through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. And it takes a submitting of yourself. So as we partner with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to enter into life-giving relationship with Jesus, because that's what it's about. It's about relationship. The bride, the church, is being transformed into this beautiful image through the Holy Spirit as she submits herself to the headship of her husband, Jesus Christ. And so I want to take us to Ephesians 5.8. I didn't write this one down either. So you got some time to beat me to the scripture. We're going to read a lot here, so be prepared. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will run your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God. The Father, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, and it goes down to talk about spirit-guided relationship. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, 
So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love your wives as though they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. So, um, the only way that we are transformed, the only way that we are changed, because I never got this. I always thought that I could just act better. <laughs> it never worked. It worked for a little while, and I fooled a lot of people, but whenever you encounter um, difficulty, the true you starts coming out. <laughs> and I thought that acting better and being better made me look more holy and that it um, just acting good and being nice was what I needed to do to be a good Christian. And really, that was a lie. And um, the reason why that that is is because the only way that we can truly be transformed is by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And it's as we yield our hearts to him, we say, God, here's my whole heart. Just like whenever you're getting married, for those of you who have been married, um, it's like you're presenting yourself to them. You're a bride and you're presenting yourself to your husband. And you're presenting your whole heart and saying, here it is. I give you all of me. And when that happens, it's not that we are just so messed up that the Lord's like, well, let me fix her right quick. <laughs> the Lord is pure and holy. And before Jesus Christ was crucified, the Israelites had to have a veil in the temple because if they encountered the presence of the Lord because he was so pure and holy, people would just disintegrate or turn to salt. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, when he was crucified on the cross, the veil to the temple was torn. The veil that separated face-to-face -face relationship and communication was torn in that moment. And Jesus now intercedes for us. He intercedes for us in heaven as he's preparing for our marriage. And we can now come to him in relationship and not be burned up. <laughs> but because he's so pure and holy, as the Holy Spirit is in us, that's the part of our spirit. It's renewed. That part has already been uh, renewed because it's Jesus living within us. And so that part is good, you know, <laughs> but it's our flesh and our soul that will be consummated on the day that he returns, that will be married to him. But until then, as we submit to the spirit at work within us, it brings all things into alignment. And it's not because we're just so worthless, <laughs> 
But it's because of his love and his Holy Spirit at work within us. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, it begins to change us. And we begin to look like Jesus. And he shines his light on his church, on his children, on his bride. And as we look to him, it's like a mirror. If you guys were here in May when I shared, it's like a mirror. We're like mirrors. We're like vessels. And as we begin to see him, and as we sit with him in our chaperone, the Holy Spirit, we begin to look like him. It says that we're made in the image of Christ. And so that's the image we begin to reflect to the world around us because it's not just like, why are we getting ready for this wedding? Like, what's going on here? Why are we even doing this, you know? And um, it's not that you were just saved from something. Yeah, you were saved from death. And that's pretty incredible. But we were saved for someone, and his name is Jesus. And not only were you saved for someone, but you were saved for something. And until he returns, we have a job to do here. It's time for us to get up and move. (laughs) And the only way we can do that isn't in our own ability. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that the Spirit of God is upon me. I am anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to see the captives set free. And so that is where we're at right now. I believe in the spirit that the church is, it's time to submit the authority and headship of her husband, Jesus Christ. And as the spirit moves us, then we are compelled to love. And he awakens our heart to his love. And so we then want to love other people. We then want to move with him. And I believe that that's how disciples are created is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he directs us and corrects us. And so his word begins to be made life within us. And the other part of getting ready is this washing of the word. It says that we're washed by the word. The church is washed by the word. So as we sit in the word and we read it, um, we know that the, the Jesus is the Word made life, but as we sit and read in the Word and study with a Holy Spirit illuminating it, it's like whenever you think about a vase that's dirty and full of rocks and dirt and stuff, the more water that's poured in it, the clearer it becomes. And that's kind of how our heads are sometimes. Sometimes I got a lot of rocks and dirt in my head, and it needs some cleaning out. And so as you read the Word of God, your insides and your spirit, man, and the inside of you starts becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. And it's not for your glory, but it's for his glory. And so, um, yeah, I think that's all I have to share. <laughs> um. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 